Shut up and sit down. When the Wind Blows is an epic-inspired podcast that brings innovation to professional development. Wow. Okay. This is awesome. I am so excited to have Lee Roland back on the podcast. He is, man, for those of you who didn't listen to the last episode or or, um, maybe you've forgotten, he was kind of my mentor last year. He was my go-to when I didn't know how to handle a situation or I mean, honestly, we got into a lot of just personal too, uh, not just, crime. yeah, not just professional. You were, you were my guide on the side last year. And so anytime I get to talk with you, I'm super excited about it. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Lee, you've been in education for over 30 years. You are a superhero educator. What keeps you in the world of education? Uh, just, um, my dad was a pastor. My mom was a teacher. So I got some of it just from my DNA. And um, the other part is, I think it is the institution that is one of the greatest institutions that uh, has the most influence, but we're lagging behind. And so I I want to see this institution um, take full advantage and be and, and, and take responsibility for how we can change tomorrow. And so, Erin, uh, if I was over to your house, uh, I know you have young kids. I promise you, I would engage your kids. And I promise you, your kids would engage me. I would say, hey, let's throw a ball. Hey, uh, who, who, who you digging on at school that you haven't told your mom about? I, I connect with kids. And so education is that vehicle for me. Uh, it's just my passion. I want to see these uh, I like to call them knuckleheads. It's a term of endearment. I want to see these knuckleheads go out and change the world and seize the moment. I love that answer. And I know that they would engage with you too. You, you, you're you a captivating person. Uh, so I asked you yesterday because, you know, we'll have discussions, but I like, I like to be thoughtful. So um, <laughs> I asked you yesterday what year you were born in, and you told me 1959. And so I did a little bit of research. 1959 was the year that Motown Records was formed. It was the year, uh, I mean, people, the greats came from there. Smokey Robinson, Diana Ross, The Temptations. Uh, It was the year that jazz trumpeter Miles Davis finished recording Kind of Blue. And that has been the best, still continues to be the best-selling jazz album in history. Uh, Raisin in the Sun was produced and then and put on Broadway, and then it later became a movie. Uh, we're in the height of Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X being activists and 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 preaching equality. Uh, they're alive and and they're out there speaking and preaching. Uh, it sounds like an amazing year to be born, right? And when you romanticize so, yeah. it, <laughs> um, but the fact of the matter is. Lee, um, you would still not have been able to sit next to me at a restaurant. Uh, Mm -hmm. You would not have been able to drink out of my water fountain. Uh, 
And so while it, it sounds like an amazing romantic time to have been alive, there were still issues. And uh, if, if our listeners haven't picked up on it, we're, we're talking about Black history this month, right? I mean, right, this episode. Um, that's, that's really troublesome to me because I easily gloss over that uh, as a person and think, gosh, what an amazing time to have been alive. You know, what, what, and all, all of these things are so impactful and influential, but, but it's not the case. And so, um, Lee, it's black history month. Yes. You're black. Um, is having an episode set apart from the rest, uh, talking black history, um, with you, my, my special guest, a black man, is it even appropriate anymore? Real question. Yes. I I think it will, it is probably as appropriate now as it has ever been. Uh, definitely relevant topic. And I am so thankful. And anyone that's listening to this, please uh, hear my heart. And maybe if you share the same heart, uh, do the same thing. I am so thankful for our leadership uh, that I've had conversations with uh, Ben Harris, Bob Banfield, that we've had some fairly frank and candid conversation. So absolutely, this is still relevant. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we may have taken some steps backwards over the last number of years instead of moving forward uh, hand in hand saying, you know what, let's be a united states. We, and, and, and I'm not trying to be, I'm trying to, with, with every ounce of my body, I'm trying to be apolitical, in other words, non-political, uh, bipartisan. I'm simply saying, uh, uh, just being a brotherhood. We have a legislator uh, uh, in our state, uh, uh, Aaron, who, who's um, one of its one of this legislators' field workers told me that they got pushed back just from this legislator saying have dinner with someone that doesn't look like you. And I, and I can't imagine that. Uh, got pushed back from constituencies that just says, hey, have dinner. Didn't say vote this way. Didn't say uh, support this movement. Just said have dinner. And this is, this is 2020. And so... I absolutely, I don't want to wax too long on one question, but absolutely, this is relevant and an important conversation. And again, I am thankful for you uh, because I can tell you've done your due diligence on this. You've, you've looked at things and said, hey, let me be educated. And then our leadership in this school district that says, hey, I want to be a one for all and all for one kind of school. Good. I'm really glad you said that because the last thing I want is for this episode to be some token episode that fills a requirement that, okay, we're talking about black history because it's February and and that's what you're supposed to do. Um, It's crazy. Uh, It was, I don't even know that disappointment isn't a strong enough word, Lee, Um, in in the research. And I I see you in the show notes and, and you probably already knew this, but as recently as the 2016-2017 school year. Guys, this is not long ago. (laughs) 
2016 and 2017 school year, Eastside High in Cleveland, Mississippi, Cleveland, Mississippi was an all-black school. There is segregation still happening, and, and a lot of people will call it a socioeconomic displacement, that um, it, it wasn't that we're trying to keep uh, black people um, away from white people, but the, the socioeconomic reality is that uh, in that town, uh, it, it's, it's not desegregated. It is not a desegregated population there. And it's not because of, um, I don't know. I honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to stop. Why do you think that that's the case? Uh, I could go on and on and, and maybe even whitewash it from my own perspective of why it might be that way. But why do you think it's that way still 2016, 2017? Because, we either have institutional racism or we have institutional uh, um, uh, neglect and uh, irresponsibility, you name it. So um, for our listeners, do your due diligence and uh, research the Kansas City Star okay. paper. Made it public apology about a month or two ago, made a public apology for 140 years of racism. What they admitted to, what they confessed to is that, what they acknowledged is that via their newspaper, they have contributed to the, the lack of progress, to the demise uh, of a a, uh, of the black community, and they they are calling on others to do the same, to acknowledge their role. So what the Kansas City Star acknowledged that the way I've printed news, the way I have messaged uh, out crime and all of these things, they have played a not an indirect role. They have not been complicit, but they are directly responsible for uh, for where we are today in terms of uh, haves and have-nots. And so we look at this issue of de jure segregation, which is done by law, or de facto, which is done by just happens to be that, that this group here is living over here, that all of that has played a part in the why we still have these haves and the have-nots where in a lot of our cities, a certain group lives on this side of the tracks and another group lives on that side of the tracks. So although many of us, many of my uh, contemporaries, we are not directly responsible. We didn't sign something. We didn't do something intentional by way of our lack of wokeness, uh, by way of our lack of empathy, we have contributed to um, this great divide by by things that we say. Um, I, I don't know if it's appropriate here to share just at this time, but I was asked to speak by to a school district by a superintendent who's who's uh, asked me to come in where a teacher shared with her students after Barack Obama was elected the next day reported to class and told her kids, I hope you all are now satisfied 
that you've ruined our country and uh, just like you've ruined yours. We wish you would go back. And she said that to her students. That's, it's one thing to say that. Uh, it's one thing to say that to your to your to your husband or whatever your partner at the at the dinner table. It's another thing to come and tell a group of students that you are you, you, you are you're messed up. You messed up the world. I, 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 I can share with you horror stories that I have heard educators, thankfully not in Epic, thankfully. Uh, but I have uh, I teach sociology of community and cultures at Southern Nazarene University, and I can tell you horror stories from the assignments that I've given my teachers uh, to come back and share with us real life things that are going on in your school. And I choose not to for our audience here. That's what that's not what I was asked to do. But we have people that are in positions of responsibility that are not being responsible uh, with their with their position. I, you know, it. I guess it just shocks me whenever I hear that stuff because I try to, I try to um, keep myself read. I try to keep myself informed. I try to uh, love on my neighbors, <laughs> you know. And so I guess it it still shocks me, and I shouldn't. Uh, be shocked whenever I hear things like that. Uh, Lee. Sure, and, and and if I might, Aaron, I think there are a number of us that like to think the best and, and and whatnot. And one of the things I've had to caution teachers with is because you are doing a marvelous job. You're working hard. Your heart is right. You assume that all of your colleagues are doing that, and. That's not necessarily the case as the principal goes from classroom to classroom to classroom and evaluates every person. And so you think when you hear a comment in staff meeting, oh, why are you saying that? It's because we have a problem and whatnot. So I, I, I like the fact that you're trying to keep yourself well read. Um, the first time I talked with you, I connected with you because I heard passion. I heard uh, honesty. I heard love for, for my fellow man. Unfortunately, we've got some work to do with some of us. I, um, I love your answer there because it, you know, I've heard people say, you know, racism doesn't exist anymore. There's no way. I know. <laughs> Sorry for those of you who didn't hear that little bitty clap. Uh, that was Lee's hands on his face, clapping his face in, in shock. But uh, I think it, it is, I think we have to be cognizant of just because I think and know and feel and believe this way does not mean that my, my neighbor thinks, knows, or feels, or believes this way. Um, and what you experience and what I experience are completely different things. So I love that you said that. And and I I am not in a position to say racism doesn't exist anymore just because I don't believe that it that, that, that way or just because mm -hmm. I love ev you know everybody. Um, I, I don't get to say racism doesn't exist anymore. Sure, sure. So I, I, I really appreciated your answer there. Um, 
I wrote a fact here. Fact, um, President Gerald Ford recognized uh, February as Black History Month in 1976, even though it, since 1929, it had been there was a week um, that was set aside. And I thought that that was awesome and, and often glazed over as well. Um, but he he said, you know, he called upon the public, we've got to seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of black Americas in every endeavor throughout history. Um, and again, um, I think one month, I, I don't know, in my opinion, one month isn't enough. I feel like we should be celebrating this regularly, uh, finding ways to celebrate, not, I mean, all endeavors, but, um, I don't know. That's why. That's kind of why I had my first question to you. Like, you know, we we are seeing a wokeness happen across the the United States. We've got the the Black Lives Matter movement coming through and and helping to inform on on all these things. And so, is a single month set aside still a relevant uh, and appropriate thing? Uh, I, I I still have these questions. You know. And again, I think it's a great question. And uh, I think the fact that we will, we, that, that is the least that we can ask some people to do. Okay, that's the least. So if they'll just do the least, but the hope and the prayer is that they will then want to take and go over to March 1st, and they would want to go into to, to April 13th or whatever, and, and they will look at how do we, how do we unify? How do we, how are we more, can we be more inclusive? And again, it is my hope and my prayer that education will lead the way and not trail the way. Look, look at the arts, look at athletics, look at those institutions. They are leading the way. Wouldn't it be wonderful that education where, um, where little boys and little girls start off school those institutions, that institution called education, which has a tremendous amount of power, influence, it leads the charge. My, my, my grandson is three and a half, almost four, and uh, my daughter works at a fitness uh, large, or worked at that time at a, another large fitness organization uh, here in Oklahoma City, and it was on the north side of Oklahoma. It's wonderful. And they had Black History Month in the in the daycare. In the daycare. The little four-year-olds were, were in the daycare of a fitness center. How much more does education, faith community, other communities need to get on board and okay. say, no, no, we're going to lead the way of into of unity. That that it takes all of us and that 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 uh, uh, pledge of allegiance and and justice for all. I love it. Let's 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 really live it. Let's really mean it. Who are some of your most influential black leaders of history? Like who when you when you think of I mean, there are some that like, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. obviously. Uh, not I mean, not only was he um, pushing for civil rights, but gosh, the guy was a, a preacher and a pastor who just spoke love. Um, you've got uh, Muhammad Ali. You know, who who are some of the people that you, Lee, 
um, set apart uh, and, and are like, man, this person, this person really did it? Well, unfortunately, you really kind of shared mine. Uh, Martin, Luther King, Martin Luther King, I have the greatest deal of respect for a man who was on that side, on that side, the other side. Now, we're on this side where now he's kind of uh, a champion. He's kind of, we've got a, a holiday after him and all that. But on that side of things, he did not realize that that was going to happen. And he stuck his neck out. And I guarantee you, he could have, and I'm sure he was offered the opportunity to, to be silent. Oh, I'm Come sure. Come over to the other side. Let that alone. You're a good guy. You're articulate. We, we, we can use you in this arena. And he didn't. He stood up for what he believed. Uh, uh, an imperfect man. I, I realize all that. But I'm telling you, a true champion of love and justice told people, don't hit back. Don't curse back. Don't be mean back when, to people. Uh, Muhammad Ali, I have a little home gym. Uh, I've got, I think, three large-sized posters of that guy who, heavyweight champion of the world, could have made a lot of money. Uh, instead, uh, didn't make as much. And he did not know on this, he didn't know this side was going to be. He On that side of things, he was vilified he was attacked he was he was scorned and whatnot by black and white hey man keep your mouth shut just go buck box and he stood up for what he believed in so those are two of my champions um but the third champion i'd like to share with you is is my dad uh the late dr d with roland uh he's the greatest man i've ever known personally not because he was my dad and i want to make it unequivocally clear your relationship to me means nothing to me I, I value people by the heart and the character. When I tell you a man that championed love and justice and faith, uh, this guy did it like, like no other person that I've known personally. The person in the pulpit was the same person in, at, at my dinner table. No, son. That's not how we roll. That's not what we do. You have to be a man, be responsible. And uh, I, I want you to pursue love and justice and all my life. That's what I've tried to do uh, is emulate him. Go out and do the right thing, even when no one else is watching you. I've tried. I love it. Um, you know, somebody I think, uh, and they're, they're still alive, uh, but often overlooked as far as uh, groundbreaking movements. And, and she was six at the time. So there's definitely no way she would have known or understood what was going on. But Ruby Bridges um, is, she was the first uh, uh, black student to walk into and, and start the desegregation. And as far as as educationally speaking, um, what a monumental move mm-hmm. and, and to be six and, and I mean, I'm sure her parents, you know, prepped her, um, sure, sure. could you, I mean, cause you, you talk to your kids and you tell them, Hey, you're going to meet this in life. You're going to see this in life. And, and she had probably already been seeing and witnessing some of those things. But, um, I just remember I, I read an article once, uh, six year old precious little child 
was spat on and cussed at and and things thrown at her as she walked through the door and and just um I think it's it is a testament I mean the fact that she's still alive in mm-hmm. in my opinion is a testament to sure. this was way too recent yeah. <laughs> this is way yeah. too recent history yeah. and and I know uh, we we passed you know the Civil Rights Act uh, and and ratified that as well, but it is just still way too recent history that um, that this little girl who was spat Amen. on and cussed at and 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 jeered at uh, walked through the doors. That that means my grandpa, mm-hmm. my grandma uh, mm-hmm. were of the age of of hate and. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a little too recent in my in my opinion. But I just I, I try to as a mama think about how I would have prepped my little kiddo for something like that. How would you have prepped your little kiddo for something like that, Lee? Well, unfortunately, um, we've experienced um, uh, some of the same things, um, and me personally, and then with with our kids, and we. I did the same thing and said the same thing that my mom and dad told me is for my son and daughter to rise above it and uh, just make sure that we, they, they were enveloped with love and security. So when you see the monster uh, of, of cruelty, the monster of hate, the monster of racism, when you see the monster, just know that I got you. And so I think that's how Ruby was able to endure it. Um, that's how I was able to endure it. The world was mean, and it, it, it's, I still encounter it. Uh, my children still encounter it. But, but I had a, a, to me, you know, I got this strong daddy. I got this strong church community, strong community that's going to take care of me. And I think that's what that young lady had. My fear and my 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 the, the thing that bewilders me is the children that don't have that uh, uh, that that don't have that you look at the exonerated five those those young guys that were accused of of, uh, of, of raping a lady uh, they did not have uh, support and consequently they they the monster ate them up. And, and whatnot. And so that's that's the tragedy is when we don't have the family right now is not what it was in those in the 50s, 60s. And um, the research shows that uh, our black boys and girls have 75 uh, percent of them do not have the biological father in the home. Uh, so, so when you don't have that strong home, I, I'm very fearful and concerned about those children that don't have a community of of, of support around them. Uh, Lee, I don't I don't know that I ask, and and so I want my um, my next question to you to have a little background. What did you want to be when you were growing up? What did you think you would do growing up? Teenage you, ten um, year old you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like a lot of kids, uh, I was a pretty accomplished uh, baseball player, and I thought I was going to be able to go far with baseball or football. And I just love sports. But believe it or not, my my second wish or desire was to be a teacher. Even as a 
young high school kid, black kid with an afro and bell bottoms. Um, you all have to research, but go research room 222. You know, I wanted to be this cool uh, teacher that took kids at that at an early age. I mean, I was goofy. I mean, I was not goofy. I was always cool. I'm still cool. <laughs> but but uh, I was, you know, I was goofing off sometimes. And even then, my ambition uh, was to be uh, an educator. I thought uh, that's a real cool career that you can um, you could be a part of, of inspiration, be a part of change, and change the the uh, the narrative for for kids that needed hope. And I think education is the greatest equalizer uh, opportunity out there. I want to see a picture of you with the afro and the bell bottoms, first of all. But now sure. my follow-up question is going to be, um, would the teenage Lee Roland be proud of the work that adult Lee Roland is doing? And I, I think the answer is yes. I think it's a great question. And I think, uh, I think the teenage Lee Roland would be, would be proud that, uh, that the, the adult Lee Roland never compromised on his um, on his convictions, I believe that right is right and wrong is wrong. Uh, justice is justice, and injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Uh, and I have fought for people that couldn't fight for themselves, literally all my life. Um, uh, I have loved education. I've loved books. I used to I used to take books home every day. Uh, didn't read them all the time, but I took my books home every day from school. Uh, I, I, I always kind of loved school, and so I wanted, uh, I wanted, I want the best for humanity. I want the best for, um, for for my neighbors and and whatnot. And I love all my neighbors, red or yellow, black or white. They're all precious in my sight, and I just love people. And I never. I've never strayed away from that. Uh, I had a, a white kid in school. Uh, he was getting picked on by some by some kids uh, that I knew, and so it's like, "Hey, dude! I told those other guys you got to fight me if you're gonna fight him. It doesn't matter. I mean, I've always been that person that wanted to see justice. I love that. So, uh, what advice? would you give to the teenagers living through the movements of today? We've got the wokeness and the black lives matter. We've seen, what would you give, what kind of advice would you give the teenagers of today? Red, yellow, black, and white. But what, what kind of advice would you give people today? That's a great question. And uh, two part answer. One would be understand that out of the mouth of babes, um, the way we view what a young person does, we have great respect and admiration for that. And so that young black poet that spoke at oh, the inauguration, amazing. that young lady right now is, uh, she's she can uh, start a movement just because of her youth. Uh, the young people that that went to the state capital, the nation's capital, to um, to 
um, share their views on guns and whatnot. We listen to them. The young lady who talked about climate control and things like that. We we listen to children. You're you're cute. You're adorable, adorable, and you're powerful. And I'd like for for little born kids to understand if you get fired up about some kind of cause, people will listen to you much more than they'll listen to to Aaron because you. You are, you're an admiration. You are being bold. People expect us to say, stop. we're grown, we're angry, we, 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 but you're not. What? Where are you getting that passion from? So I want children to understand the power that they have, okay? The second thing, advice I would give for them is do your due diligence. Go out and really, whatever it is you're going to fight for or whatever you believe in, do your research. Do not be a follower. Don't don't just jump on a bandwagon, but look at a cause and say, you know what? That's why I want to spend my that's why I want to spend my time and my effort. They need to understand that they need to envy me. Any young person that's listening to me right now need to envy me to death because what I want you to envy me is, listen, I'm an educator and I love it. I love this and so consequently, as being an educator, I never worked a day in, in my life. This is not work. This is my passion. And so, as you look at uh, as you look at basketball players, football players doing something they love. Well, this is something that I love, and I we envy those golfers. You get to golf for a living. Well, I get to educate for a living, and I love it. Man. And for them to go after something that they love, don't go after dollars, don't go after popularity, go after your passion. If it's the arts, if it's education, if it's athletics, if it's ministry, go after it with gusto and you will never regret it. I love it. Uh, I want to leave some research ideas for uh, for people who are interested in looking up more about Black History Month. Um and, and I've got it in the show notes, but I mean, slavery in America, abolition, Harlem Renaissance, Jim Crow, civil rights, post-civil rights. I mean, and, and modern times is on here. Uh, there are so many different facets uh, that you can dive into to do your research and, um, and, and look at from different angles and different point of views so that you get the full story. Uh, I remember, and, and I, I mean, you and I spoke about it in the last episode, the, the third grade textbook that said that um, the Indians decided to move West to, to make room for the pilgrims, you know, <laughs> don't find things like that. Uh, that's the, the craziest version of that story I've ever heard. So um, Lee Rowland, Thank you so much for being on this episode, uh, for talking to me. You are truly, I love you. You're awesome. Aaron, I love you. And thank you for your heart. Thank you for for what you're doing, uh, where the wind blows. And uh, uh, I thank Bart Daniels and I thank Ben Harris. These are people I've had these conversations with and they are open to them. And I hope that more people open their arms and open their ears and, mo- and most of all, open the hearts. And thank you again, Erin. You're killing it with this, with this podcast. Wow. Thank you for sure. Well, that's all the time we have today. 
If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit the like button, uh, subscribe to the podcast so that you're notified each time a new episode drops. If you're a returning listener, definitely rate the podcast. Leave us a comment. Uh, Until next time, tune in where we're thinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world.